The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome into the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast. This is Patrick Lounsbury, the host here. We also have my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, also. How are you doing, Lucas? Doing very well, man. Can't complain. How about yourself? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. We're here on a Sunday uh, afternoon slash evening. You know, we're kind of in a weird time uh, for some of us because I record in the mountain time and he records in central time. So we're always kind of a little weird in that. But uh, you can follow the show at Hoopball Celtics on Twitter. You can also find me on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N I O N S. You can also follow us, Lucas. Go ahead and tag in your you Twitter. You can follow me at Luca L U C A underscore Gainer G A Y N O R. Perfect. And uh, what we're doing here today is just we're just going to go over some offseason stuff that's going on with the Celtics. We're going to talk a little bit about Nigel Haynes, who has been rumored to be connected to the Celtics. We're going to talk about the Bucks winning the championships and the, how uh, that can be learned from the Celtics standpoint on what they got to do next for as far as trying to reach that level of success as well. And we're going to talk about the build rumors going around uh, about him possibly requesting a trade while, while he's playing for Team USA. So. All right, Lucas, you want to jump things off here with um, some Nigel Nigel uh, Haynes or what? Hayes. So it's Hayes. Uh, no N in there, but Nigel is Hayes? Hayes is a former Wisconsin yes. product man. He was a. I'm not sure if he was All American, but he was he was definitely up there on the scene as like one of the better college basketball players uh, when Wisconsin was making their deep tournament runs. Um, but you know, it didn't work out for him in the NBA right away. You know, he played for the Knicks. Uh, in Westchester in the G League. And then since then, he's gone overseas. Um, you know, the Celtics in the past few years with guys like Tice and Wanamaker have done a good job, you know, scouting useful pieces overseas. So I'm really looking forward uh, to potentially getting Nigel Hayes in the building. Uh, how, how are you feeling about him yourself, Patrick? You know, I, I don't mind Nigel Hayes. Um, sorry for messing up his name a little bit, but um... – <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. A, I did a little. I did a little digging on him personally myself. Uh, found out that naturally he was a football player at a young age, and he didn't really play basketball. Um, his mom actually made him sit out a season of playing some pop Warner football because he was way bigger than everybody else. He ended up instead of you know just chilling on the sideline and messing around and goofing off, he started to learn all the other positions and all the other plays of where they're supposed to be and everything like that. So a smart kid. He didn't get into basketball until about middle school, uh, where apparently he wasn't that good at basketball. Like he, he struggled a lot, um, didn't start, you know, played off the bench a lot of the time, which was crazy. And then eventually he gradually got a lot better and started focusing on basketball, kind of put football to the side. And that's where, you know, the, the whole story of Hayes going to uh, Wisconsin where he had a, he had a lot of success. He went to Final Four um, appearance, and then he went to a Finals appearance. Then he just went to a, another Final Four appearance, and then in, went into the Sweet 16 as well. So um, in his senior season, it, you know, it was crazy because it was ended by that. I don't know if people remember, but it was the Florida game where the OT buzzer hit um, in the East semifinals of the tournament. Right. Man, it's, it's just, it was just crazy. Haynes is a, a four-year college player that went undrafted and played for a few NBA teams briefly before ultimately heading overseas. So he's just been kind of like a slowly developing player from the jump since he first started playing basketball. And it's it's just crazy to see that uh, he's making his way possibly back to the NBA and the Celtics are definitely interested. 
Yeah, so the report came out that there was mutual interest um, between, you know, the player and the team. Um, and honestly, the Nigel Hayes' biggest knock that kept him out of the league was his inability to shoot. You know, he, he's six foot seven and a half, six foot eight, about 245, 250 pounds with a seven three wingspan. And he moves, you know, pretty well laterally for a guy of his size. So, you know, you hear something like that. You think, oh, he's got to be able to carve out a role. Well, unfortunately, you know, he is not the most ball-skilled player, and when he entered the league um, coming out of Wisconsin, he was just not a consistent three-point shooter. Now, I have terrific news for everyone. It seems that Nigel has, I'm not going to say became a knockdown shooter, but he has definitely addressed uh, his shooting concerns. So I have just a couple of numbers here. I just wanted to see, you know, where his, um, you know, his uh, three-point shooting has gone overseas. So on 552 attempts in the Turkish League, the Euro League, um, and the Lithuanian League, in 552 attempts, he's a 41% three-point shooter. And, you know, the Lithuanian League and the Turkish League, you know, they aren't even on the same level as the Euro League, let alone the NBA. So, you know, I decided to just look at his three-point attempts from the Euro League seasons where you're playing teams like Real Madrid, you know, Barcelona, uh, you know, just the top tier teams um, in, in Europe, he shot 41% again on 200 attempts, 41.5%. So it really seems that Nigel has, like, known what he needs to do to get back into the league by fixing his jump shot. And, you know, I watched him. It's a fluid jump shot. He mostly looks like he's going to shoot off the catch, although I saw a few clips of him shooting off the dribble or out of a jab step. But it, it mostly seems like he's the type of guy who's going to stand in the corner and shoot threes, kind of replace that semi ogile role. Um, and honestly, you know, people might not act like Nigel Hayes is going to be a big deal, and I'm not saying he's going to start or even play 20 minute, 20, more than 20 minutes for us a game. But I think in 15 minutes a game, Nigel can do what Semi did for us, but better because he can protect the rim. He's a little more mobile. And frankly, he just looks like a better shooter. So I know that was a lot. I just rambled a lot about a guy who's probably not even going to get 15 minutes a game for us. But uh, – Patrick, how, or, how or, or may not that? even get signed, or may hey. not even get signed. You know, hey, but where can you just, tell it's July? Welcome, can you tell that welcome, it's July? welcome to the off season of Celtics basketball talk. You know, um, no, I, I like his, uh, I like his profile, I like his build, and I think you know his history has shown that, yeah, he may not be at that level right off the, right off the rip, but he looks like a guy who has a ton of work ethic, is willing to put in the work to get better at his craft. And I think that's something that is shown with, with the percentages now and the numbers coming back, showing that he's made some growth in that areas where he's weakened. So I'd have no problem if the Celtics decided to put a flyer on him and, and see what he's like and have him sit on the bench and, and see what we got for him. You know, I mean, yeah. ends up getting 10, 15 minutes is not going to kill you at the end of the day. And he's not going to cost a lot either. Um, so I would rather, like, for example, this might be a hot take, but – um, compared to what like Nick Batum will cost you, I think I would rather take a flyer on this guy like Nigel Hayes, um, who is obviously a worse player than Nick Batum, you know, considering one is in the NBA and one is not. But I just think, you know, cost benefit analysis, what you're spending on a guy like Nigel Hayes, um, compared to a, like, you know, what you might spend on a three and D prospect from who's in the NBA currently. I think that yeah, honestly, it's just worth taking the flyer. On Nigel, and another important thing I want to note is that when he played for Galatasaray, which is like quite a big Turkish club, he averaged like, I think it was like 14 or 15 shots a game. Um, 
or maybe it was 12 shots a game and about 15 or 16 points. And when he went to play for the Lithuanian team, you know, he, he took less shots and clearly stepped into more of a, of a role player role. And while that might be concerning to some people, oh, he's only playing as a role player in Lithuania. How can he play in the, in the NBA? What that says to me is this is a man who knew what he had to do to get better and carved out that role um, that he's probably going to be playing in the NBA overseas. So I think that honestly is the best thing Nigel could have done is practicing being that 3 and D, room protecting, switching, and three-point shooting wing um, instead of being a guy who tried to, you know, show he could score 20 points on 20 shots uh, in, in Europe. I just think that just goes to show that Nigel's the type of guy that I think the Celtics could actually use on the court, in the locker room, and, and even in practice. Like, just a guy who's going to go hard no matter what. Yeah, I think he's a – and it's probably going to be the most cliche thing, but it's like, you know, low-risk, high-reward type situation. And it's not like the reward's like over-the-top, like starter NBA-type caliber player – not saying anything like that, but you know, say we we get him and he and we're expecting to be like a tenth man, and you know he works his way into like a role where he's playing twenty twenty five minutes off the bench in a second unit. That stuff is valuable, especially um in a season so long and with injuries and you know COVID still around. And you know how that's going to affect the next season. I'm not expecting it to affect as much, but it's still there. You know, it's still a um, thing that you have to worry about. So getting a guy like this that has that potential of being a solid player and has somewhat of a ceiling, you know, to like reach a higher potential. I mean, there's, you know, low risk, high reward type situation. It kind of just reminds me, uh, I think you, you mentioned it um, off, uh, off the pod was uh, a Daniel Tice type situation where like, you know, you sign a guy, if he works out and ends up being a lot better than you thought, then, you know, that's just home money, you know, a cheap guy who's, who's playing above what he's worth. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Tice really proved um, that he was an NBA caliber player. And I know Brad Wanamaker gets a lot of, um, you know, crap from, you know, Warriors fans and Hornets fans. But Patrick, I, you, I bet you will agree with me. When Brad Wanamaker was here, he was very, very solid. He was um, solid. He was a solid he player. Was, I liked him. Solid backup point guard. So I just think that uh, that just gives me confidence in our overseas st- scouting staff because we pretty much pulled Tice out of nowhere. You know, I know I have to mention Poirier. You know, Poirier didn't work out as much as the other two guys. But, you know, those guys, the flyers are not always going to work out. Uh, but it does appear watching his tape and looking at his numbers, like the amount of three-pointers he shot and the rate he shot them at, I think that uh, – I think Nigel Hayes is a uh, – I won't say can't miss, but as far as like these, uh, you know, deep diamond in the rough type of guys over in Europe, I think he's, you know, close to as good as you can get. He's like, a cheap flyer. <laughs> his jumper was broke in college. It, it sure was broke. But he definitely uh, understood that in order to make it back to the league, he was going to have to fix his jumper because it looks much, much. Absolutely. And, um, you know, he's a, he's just a cheap option, man. You know, it doesn't hurt us financially. It's a flyer. You just put on a guy and, you know, it's just like the back end of the bench always, I feel like, is consistently changing in general. You know, you give a guy a year or two and, and see how he develops and if he cracks the lineup at all and you get any spark from him. And if not, you know, it's the NBA. You just move on and you just keep trying to find that, that gem because those back of the roster spots, man, you know, they're hard to get because, you know, that's where you rotate out the talent and, and you assess talent and see how they are throughout the season, throughout practices, and see if they have any type of room to grow that, that can really help your team win. But um, yeah. I think that kind of knocks everything as far as 
Nigel, for me, do you have any uh, more to put on the Nigel train, Mister? Uh, I mean, I know everything about Nigel now. Or I mean, dude, I'm pretty sure I could talk another 30 minutes about Nigel Hayes, but it's probably best we move on here onto the uh, onto the next subject. All right, man. Uh, well, let's bring up some uh, something that you know you're not going to be excited to talk about, Lucas, but uh, we are going to bring it up. It's some Bradley Beal talks oh. potentially asking to be traded out of Washington. And the, and the rumors of the teams that he's interested in, I believe, consist of, I don't have them in front of me, obviously Boston. I think Miami was one of them. I think Philadelphia was one. And the Warriors, I want to say. Yeah. I think those were his destinations of preference if he were to leave. Um, sources are kind of murky at the moment as far as that. Um, <laughs> murky. <laughs> yeah, so take the glass half full, half empty type situation. You know, we don't really know how much validation is, is there that he wants to leave, and we haven't heard it from his mouth yet. But I, I think there's some truth to him wanting out. No, I mean, I don't think that it's coming from nowhere where there's smoke, there's fire. But I'm just going to get this out of the way from the jump. If you're a Celtics fan, I would not be expecting Bradley Beal to wear Celtics green. And if he does, it's going to be in July of 2022, not 2021. Because when you look at the teams who have trade packages to, you know, try and and pry Bradley Beal away from the Washington Wizards, the Celtics simply cannot compete without including Jalen Brown. And I think when we saw the Harden saga go down and, you know, the whole Kawhi thing go down when he was in San Antonio, you know, the Celtics weren't willing to move Jalen Brown for either of those guys. So I know that was Danny, and now it's Brad. But if you're not moving Jalen for Harden or Kawhi, to me, there is absolutely no reason you should move him for Beal. That's just how I see the situation. And if he does ever come here to play with his guy Tatum, I think it'll be in free agency. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to play a little devil's advocate just a little bit here by just stating, um, you know, Jalen Brown definitely shouldn't be on the table. However, if his knee tendonitis is – maybe a little bit more of an issue and you have more concerns on it. Maybe there's more information that hasn't been held to the public. I don't mind moving off Jalen Brown in that sense. Um, but I'm still, I'm still not, not doing it in general. That's just more of me just kind of giving a little bit of another side because I mean, last season we saw Jalen Brown, as soon as he had knee tendonitis, he had slowed down on the defensive side of the ball and there started to be a little bit more of inefficiencies, but he still was overall efficient on the offensive side, but his defense took a real big step back into what he was. So um, I just, I'm not, I'm I'm on team keep Jalen Brown um, on the Celtics and I'm hanging up the phone, but there is some, if there's more information than I don't know and the Celtics do know, I, I think you can talk me into the situation more. See, I really wouldn't want to move off Jalen because of the tendonitis because that will just further entrench the notion that the Celtics are an organization that don't really care about their players. They just look at them like assets because we know what happened with Isaiah. I think I'm honestly just committed to the core of Jalen and Jason. And you know every bone inside my body wants to say Jalen, Jason, and Marcus – um, but, you know, I would have to be willing to move Marcus for a guy like Beal, you know, if he was included in the trade. But personally, I just want the Celtics to build organically with Jalen and Jason um, because you saw what it meant to Milwaukee Bucks fans, Milwaukee Bucks, you know, staff members, Milwaukee Bucks players. It, you saw what it meant to basketball fans to see a team 
pretty much organically grown with two guys, Giannis and Chris Middleton. They've been there since 2013. And that's the type of approach I personally want my team to win with. And also, I think it's the best approach right now as far as making your team the best they can possibly be. Because you can say Bradley Beal is better than Jalen Brown. I'm not going to push back on that. Beal is a fantastic player. But at the very best, to me, that's a pretty lateral move. It's just pretty lateral. Um, Beal does not do – I mean, he's a better scorer than Brown. That's There's no question. But I don't think it's by a crazy enough margin to really push the Celtics into title contention if you give up, say, Brown. Honestly, if it was just Brown for Beal straight up, to me, you're not even in title contention, and you're just a little bit older and more expensive. So I'm not sure why you would make for for content purposes here though, say say Jason Tatum comes to the front office and goes, I want to play with Bradley Beal. Do whatever you can to get him here. What if he forces the hand? Do you do you deal Brown if it's necessary in order to keep Tatum happy? I'm refusing to engage in a hypothetical that includes Jason wanting to trade Jalen. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm not. I'm not okay. <laughs> I just, you know, I wanted to throw it out there because, I mean, you know, it's. I, I think it's clear that Tatum wants to play. With oh, for sure. Bradley Beal. I mean, Beal was his baby. And Bradley Beal wants to play with. Yeah, yeah. And Bradley Beal wants to play with Tatum. Like, like it's clear that they really want to like play with each other. They go way, way, way back, and Jason definitely wants uh, Beal in town. But I feel like even Jason probably is not like oh trade Jalen right away you know what I mean like I feel like Jason is a smart enough guy to understand the implications as much as he wants to uh to play with Bradley Beal now with that being said I hope a team like Golden State trades for him he opts out and then just comes to Boston next summer that's my uh that's my best case scenario and honestly that's that's the only way I think that Beal is coming is next summer I don't because even if he says all right I just want to play in Boston I don't want to play in the, anywhere else, then the Wizards are still going to take the best trade available. It just means that, you know, Beal will not re-sign. And I'm sure there's a team out there that will be able to talk themselves, oh, once he comes here, he'll, he'll re-sign. But we know that's really not how it works. Uh, you know, we saw that firsthand with Kawhi. Like that when best case scenario when he still decided to leave and go where he wanted to go. Um, so I just think that, you know, Celtics fans should keep an eye out for, you know, 12 months. Uh, to today, pretty much, for when we're thinking about Bradley Beal coming to play for. Uh, absolutely. And I just want to make it clear that I think Bradley Beal has like a, a I said it before the show, a 10 to 15% chance of actually end up in Celtic Green at all in his whole entire career. I just don't, uh, I don't clearly see um, a path for him to get here without a lot of obstacles. And I think the Celtics lose too much in the process of trying to bring him here. Totally. And even me saying our best chance of him is coming next summer. That's still a small chance. Like there's still a lot of cap work that's going to have to be done. Um, so yeah, I'm with Patrick here. I would never, I would not be expecting this to happen, you know, just because Twitter and, you know, the media is talking about it because of Jalen, I mean, Jason and Beal's connection. Um, I would just, you know, get in your head. That's probably pretty unlikely. And the Celtics to get better are going to improve around the edges um, and then maybe one day trade for a star. But I would say I, I don't see Beal being that. Yeah, 100%. Well, um, I think we kind of covered the Beal stuff then. Uh, we, we, we get on the Beal talk here. Um, but as far as the, the Celtic structure goes, uh, we want to talk about, you know, one, congratulate the Milwaukee Bucks for winning the NBA Finals. Um, congratulations to them. They did a great job of 
you know, battling through the East. You know, Giannis was in phenomenal performance as far as the finals went. Uh, thought he was incredible. He had that knee scare and was able to play through that, which also was insane to watch. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, you want to give a, a congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks here? Oh yeah, honestly, um, it was just terrific to see Giannis like get over the hump that everyone said he could never get over. It was good to see Chris Middleton hit the clutch shot with about 40 seconds left to shut up all his haters. I don't know. It just was good to see, man. It was really sad seeing Chris Paul because, you know, that's probably the last chance. You know, uh, maybe I won't speak too soon. He could go somewhere. But that was a really good chance for Chris Paul to uh, leave his career with the ring. And it's really too bad it didn't happen. But in the same vein, I'm so happy for Giannis to see him put on the performance he did. And like I said earlier, like, it's got to feel so much different. Like, you heard Giannis in his press conference say, I could have went to go to a, build a super team, but I stayed here. That, to me, it's just got to mean so much more. And it doesn't mean that the super team rings don't count. I'm not even trying to knock that or anything. I'm just saying, when a team is organically grown from the ground up, from the inside out, winning a championship with that team has to feel so good. So, you know, I usually would never say this, but shout out to the city of Milwaukee, you know. I'm really happy for all you guys and uh, and Phoenix. You know, you guys are going to be able to compete in the West for the next decade with Booker and Aiden. So it's not like you guys have a a bad future. Absolutely, and uh, and the thing that I wanted to touch on as far as the Bucks is is kind of what do the Celtics have to do to follow what the Bucks did in the sense of really trying to build a team to compete and win a championship and, and maybe stay competitive for multiple years. That seems Bucks kind of did exactly what the Celtics are currently trying to do. You know, Giannis and, and Tatum, you know, Tatum is, is still not at that age, but by that age, we're expecting Tatum to be a probably at the level that Giannis is almost at as far as talent wise. And then also Jalen Brown, hopefully being at the level of middle, Middleton. I mean, I, I feel like uh, Jalen Brown's not that far behind Middleton. So I guess we're just kind of looking for our Drew Holiday and our Brooke Lopez. Is that what we're, we're looking for, Lucas? I mean, yeah, I think that uh, when we're trying to learn from what Milwaukee did, I think what they did is they built and catered to their star player strengths, you know, surrounding Giannis with shooters. Um, and, you know, giving him a guy like Middleton to make shots. So I think that from a team-building perspective is important, you know, accentuating your best player's strengths and not just like, you know, cobbling talent together I think is important. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that uh, – I think the Celtics are right on their way to, you know, building an organic team. And I think number one step to do what the Bucks did is to keep Jalen Brown in town. That's how, that's how we can uh, – that's how we can start our, keep, our keep journey the Jays. to the championship. Keep, keep the, the Jays, Jays to gaze. Yeah, I like I like the idea of keeping the Jays in, on the on the team and, and together for as long as they can. Um, I look at this team right now and I'm I'm thinking like, okay, you know, we got the we got the point guard uh, Mark Smart who can play defense at a high level, but and play make um, at an av- above average level. But his shooting woes are kind of the issue, and you know his inefficiency and shot creation is is that an issue um but then you also got you know the center position that is is a little bit more murky and it's like you have robert williams who has the health condition and we don't know if he'll ever be able to play more than like 30 32 minutes in his career and he just has an injury history just re-aggravating his whole body at the, at the lower body and that's kind of concerning in that sense so uh, ultimately it, it seems like the celtics need to find 
a young rim protector that kind of fits the timeline. Um, I'm all for keeping Marcus smart. I hoping is that he takes like almost like a hometown discount in a sense. I mean, I, I really would like him to stay in Boston, but I understand that like if he's going to get paid, it's going to be this next paycheck. And if he wants to go make a lot of money, I have no hard feelings towards Marcus Smart. He's given everything to this team, this organization since he's been here. And he is pretty much what Celtics basketball is about as far as effort. So I would say Marcus Smart, you know, go get that bag if that's what you want to do. But, you know, if you want to compete for a championship, I'd love to have him on the team. And I think he can run the point guard position and we could find a shooting guard or small forward where, you know, Jalen Brown could be the shooting guard or the small forward. It doesn't really matter at that point because of the positionless basketball that we play in today's league. And, and just trying to find that maybe another source of scoring or third option as far as the team. We don't even need another guy who's like, you know, top, top tier guy. We just need a guy who could be a third option. I think Jalen Brown could be the second best player on a championship team. Tatum could be the best player on a championship team. And we're looking for that third best. I just don't think Marcus Smart could be the third best player on a championship team. I think he'd be the fourth best player. And that's kind of where the situation goes is that we need to find that third guy. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what you just said. You know, the only way that if Marcus left, and the only way I would not be crushed, is if this man was getting overpaid. If Marcus got four for 85 from the Kings or the Knicks, I would love it as much as it would hurt to see him go. But honestly, I just really want to give Marcus the chance to run full-time starting point guard, uh, especially with Ime as our new coach, just because I think Ime is not the same guy as Brad. So, you know, Marcus, I'm the biggest Marcus fan you'll find, and even I will admit this man makes some boneheaded plays uh, from time to time, and he loves a good heat check. Uh, I think with Ime, from what I've read and what I've learned about him, you know, that's not going to fly as much, especially if you're our team starting point guard. So I really want to see that before we move on um, from Marcus. But, you know, another four for $52 million contract um, so he can make another song called 52Ms is my dream scenario. But like you said, like like you said, man, if Marcus goes to get paid, man, I'll just be happy for him for what he's given to us. Uh, he's like, like you said, he's the definition of Celtics basketball, man. He really is. You know, he'll yeah, put his body Marcus, on the line man. for a random game in November, and like they, guys like that just don't grow. He, he would do it in a preseason game, man. I feel like I feel like if I was in there in the practice facility and was watching five on five drills, I, I, I would probably see Marcus Smart diving or on the floor of some capacity at least two or three times every practice. Well, like it would not shock me. Well, to corroborate um, how much that, he gets. bro, his high school coach when they asked, like somebody was interviewing his high school coach about him, like after he made his all defensive team, and he said, "This is not new." He said, "Marcus plays this hard every day since his freshman year of high school in practice." So, like, can you imagine just like being like a fifteen-year-old and like Marcus is just like clamping you in practice, like giving a hundred fifty percent effort on like a Tuesday? I'm like, bro, can you chill out? But no, that's just who Marcus is, man, and I and that's why I love him so much, and that's why I want the Celtics to keep. That that could also be a, a reason for the development so fastly for a Jalen Brown maybe on the team or um, even Tatum. Like I'm sure that uh, Marcus Smart has had some type of impact in that that sense. And and to also to note on the fact that like we're talking about you know these two guys need like that third best player for a championship team. Um, we have a guy who you know we have the bird rights too, and reports are 
kind of coming out. Not very resourceful again, Berkey Water with reports just as as of now. Um, but Evan Fournier possibly commanding around fourteen million, which seems a little low than what he is going to get. Um, I'm thinking around that sixteen to um, twenty area is probably where he's going. But uh, what do you, what do you think about Evan Fournier coming back for? the Celtics, and do you think he's a piece that could be the third-best player on the championship team? Well, I think he could be the third-best offensive player on our team. But, you know, I still think that uh, Smart at his peak is a better player than Fournier, so I don't think he would slide in to be the third-best player. But I think they're pretty close. Um, but if we can sign if we can sign Fournier for $14 million a year for two or three years, I mean, that is about as good as it gets uh, as far as value is concerned. But I'm with you, Patrick. I think he's going to cost more, 16 and a half, maybe up to 18 mil. I don't think it'll cl- eclipse 20, but I do think he's going to be just a tad more expensive. And, you know, there is a big difference between, uh, you know, 3 and 42 and 3 and 60. Uh, so, you know, depending on where his annual average value comes in, uh, I think that depends on whether or not the Celtics will be able to lock him up. With that being said, I do think that, you know, there's a lot of money to be spent next year in free agency. So I do, I could see Fournier taking a one year deal with the Celtics, maybe a one plus one for, you know, 15, one year, 15 mil. And then he's and back an on option, the market option, next year. Player option. Yeah. yeah that would yeah, be player, smart. Yeah. Pro- probably a player option. Um, but you know, if, uh, because if there's a ton of money to spend in free agency next year and Fournier averages, God forbid, 17, 18 points a game on good efficiency for the Celtics, you know, someone is going to throw an absolute bag at him. So I could see him signing a one plus one and then maybe re-entering free agent. Yeah. See, I, and I, I thought I took in consideration when I said like the 20 million, I'm thinking like teams like New York Knicks, you know, just too much money and probably are just like, ah, you know, we'll throw 20 million at you. If you just come over here or something, you know, I, Teams like that will just, you know, there's always that weird team that just throws way too much money at a player and they end up going there. You're like, well, but, yeah, it's a bad place to play. But, like, if, if I got thrown $20 million, then I'm taking that bag too, you know. <laughs> I mean, I will say um, Fournier, you know, he hasn't been in the most, uh, the most winningest situations, I guess, throughout his career. So, actually, it would not shock me if Fournier did not want to take a bigger deal from a bad team and would take only if it's a couple million less. I'm not saying if someone offers this man 22, he's not taking 14 with the Celtics, but if his market is around 16 and that's what the Celtics are offering and the Knicks offer him 19, I could definitely see him deciding to come to Boston, you know, instead of going to, you know, the Knicks who as great as they are making the playoffs this year, I just don't think they're the same caliber of team and franchises. The Celtics are as long as James Dolan is, Absolutely. And then you also got to take consideration too with the Celtics as far as trying to, you know, build on what the Bucks did is, is our big situation is definitely something we need to get more clarity on. We have Al Horford who we just traded for. Um, I think we're going to do some moves and move maybe Tristan Thompson's from this rotation that we have currently. But overall, like we, we kind of have to figure out time, time Lord, Robert Williams, like what is the plan for him moving forward as far as being with this organization, because if we have some pretty big scares as far as injury concerns, I say, you know, maybe considering getting something for him now rather than, you know, just letting him disintegrate in front of our eyes uh, might be a better option as far as the future goes. What do you, what do you think about the whole big situation in Boston? I mean, yeah, I think that uh, Moses Brown, I view as an insurance type of guy. Um, you know, he's on team control, very cheap the next three seasons. Um, Rob, 
you know, we've seen what he can provide, but obviously injuries are, are, are tough. And then, you know, we have Al, who personally I'm not expecting much from. Like, my expectations are very low for Al, just because I don't want to be disappointed more than anything. <laughs> um, but he, uh, he played very well in OKC last year. That's actually why they shut him down. So I do think for this upcoming season, you know, and I didn't even mention Tristan Thompson just because I assume he's going to be traded for, you know, salary relief. Um, but but I do think we're all right for this upcoming season. Um, but I do think, you know, depending on if we see Robbie uh, can't stay healthy again this year, then next offseason or, you know, next draft cycle or even by the trade deadline, um, you know, we might have to make a move and really address the big. But I think for now, you know, we're in a we're in a little bit of a stable spot. Only a little stable. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I just think that's probably the point guard um, situation as far – or shooting guard, one, one of those two in a sense. And then um, the center position, I think we address those two things over the next, you know, season or two and, and try to see what we have here and, and hope that Jason Tatum and Jaden Brown could rise to the occasion and we'd be on the path as – far as the Bucks championships rows are, are looking as well. But yeah, um, that's all I got as far as um, anything I wanted to talk about today. Did you have anything you wanted to, to say out here today, Lucas? Anything uh, that we missed? Um, I don't know. Do you think we covered Nigel Hayes for long enough? Because, you know, I'm always, <laughs> always, <laughs> I'm always willing to go back into him. But no, I think we're good. Uh, I think basically if anyone has any questions, they can uh, – they can hop up on stage. You know, I saw Eddie said down there he would like a true point guard to play make with Smart off the bench, which I don't think is the most unreasonable thing I've ever heard. So uh, Rubio. Yeah, Rubio would be a good vet. That's what Eddie just said down in the chat. I think he'd be a good vet. But his lack of shooting just scares the heck out of me, man. It scares take me. If Rubio, Rubio, even on this roster right now, I, I think comes off the bench as the backup point guard. And I think I trust um, – Marcus Smart being the the starting point guard, and I would trust Rubio running the second unit. Yeah, and I just think that signing, for, personally, I think signing a point guard who does not have, uh, who's not just not a good shooter to me, I really want to shy away from, um, because you know Smart he is inconsistent from three, even though he has steadily improved as a shooter the last uh, four or five seasons, really. Um, if we're bringing someone in to start over him, I want it to be someone I know is going to be able to make an open three-pointer when the ball gets swung to them. Um, and, you know, that potentially could be a luxury. Maybe there aren't a ton of guys out there like that. But at that point, I would just rock with smart and maybe, you know, sign our guy Patty Mills to come off the bench for 20 minutes a game <laughs> and to bring us in. Yeah, I like some Patty Mills. Uh, he also mentioned Rondo, Rajon Rondo. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of the hit or miss on Rondo because of, like, I just know his like demeanor and his personality. Sometimes it can be a little rumbling with other players, and I'm at the point where like new coach and everything. I don't know if we need anything like outside of like a basketball to really like effective locker. I just don't know how I I like you know Rajon Rondo and, and Marcus Smart getting heated uh, <laughs> arguments with Ime as the coach and their defensive sets and um you know. But I don't know I, about I was, you, but. Imagining Rondo and Smart arguing at practice brings me joy. Dude. I mean, come on, that is those are two of my all-time favorite Celtics. But, right I, but no, I do think I do think they both would command a lot of um, effort from other players and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, I can also see their personalities like not meshing. Yeah, I just um, I don't want that on, type of factor in the locker room. Totally, and even on top of that, man, like 
Rondo is definitely solid still, but he's not, I mean, it would be pretty cool to see him. Like, can you imagine if Rondo came back and was like our point guard and was like actually good again? But I just don't think Rondo is a guy who's moving the needle for me, um, really, as far as championship aspirations. One, one year deal, problems. eight million, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, like right. one year, you I mean, know, some, on, some really minimal favorite, stuff. Yeah, he's arguably my favorite Celtic of all time. I'm not going to say that I don't want him to come back, um, but he's just maybe isn't my number one option. But it's an interesting thought for sure, because I'm honestly I'm kind of talking myself into it as I'm like envisioning Rondo diming to Jalen and Jason, but I think. Uh, yeah, that's definitely more of like a mentorship move. He's not really moving the needle on court. I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, the Celtics would lead in uh, technical fouls in the league with uh, Rajon Rondo and Marcus. Well, Smart bro, we on, might as well bring court. Boogie in at that point too, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and then as far as like uh, another question that was asked was how many role players do you see the Celtics signing? Um, personally, I just I I don't uh, I'm not 100 percent sure yet. I, I'm thinking like maybe like two or three. I just don't think it's that much. I think they're running a lot of these guys back. I think as far as signing players, this offseason doesn't seem ideal for them. I think they're more going to be buyers in, in the next market, um, personally. But I, I do think that there's a lot more. I think they'll do a lot more trades moving forward than they do signing players. That that would be my take. I think there's going to be more movement of, of trades than there is going to be of signing players. Um, what what do you have to say about that, Lucas? Lucas, win the chip. You're also on mute if you're talking. Hey, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, you know, I also agree that it's going to be more from trades than uh, than free agency because you know the free agency class is just not that great. Um, so I will say it'll probably come from trades. You know, keep an eye on Tristan Thompson. Keeping on, you know, some second round picks with some salary filler uh, towards the end of the bench. I, I think to keep an eye on that. Um, I'm just really holding out hope that we end up with Frank Nilakina. I'm honestly just going to start standing <laughs> by that point louder oh, wow. and louder, even though if know, that lands, gonna... you know the victory lap you're going to be able to do. <laughs> oh, no, nah, I'm going to take a victory flight around the world, dude. If that happens, because. It's like really unrealistic, but he's. Just you better buy a jersey and then and just. Oh, um, and then dude. you gotta tweet it out and see if you can get his attention and see if. Oh, that's I'm buying that... a Knicks jersey and a Celtics jersey if the Celtics sign Frank Nealakina. I'm buying both of them. I'm having the retro and the current. Um, but you know we're on to the uh, Frank Nealakina portion of the show, so that pretty much means I think we've. We've you know, definitely anything, soaked up anyone, our time. Yeah, <laughs> if anyone has any questions, though, feel free to hit the speaker request button, and come on up. Um, but you know, when I start talking about Frank Nealakina, that usually means the show is winding down. <laughs> right, that is definitely uh, the signs of, of winding down. And what did what did you think about the USA losing the game today? Um, this, earlier this morning. Well, honestly, if they lost to anyone um, but Fournier, you know, if it was if they <laughs> lost to anything but a Fournier masterclass, I would be far more a you know down. A Celtic won Fournier. regardless, right? A Celtics right, exactly. won regardless. So. <laughs> and a future Celtic, Frank. Don't forget that. And a uh, former Celtic with Yabu. So, you know, oh, Yabu. It, all worked out. it all worked out for uh, today. But, no, I, the USA will hit their stride. You know, they're going to beat Iran by about 40, I, I would argue, man. Um, because, the, like, France, obviously I don't think they should beat the United States. But they have NBA talent on their roster. You know, Iran does not have a single NBA player. And now, if Iran beats the U.S., 
then I'm an Iran fan now. I don't. I'm not rooting for the U.S. Yeah, we're, we're just we're throwing our hands up at that point, going, you yeah, know, it, well, the it's, it's lost hope this year. It, it's just put a fork in this USA team yeah. and consider them overcooked and done. Right, but um, I don't think. Like I said, I think they're gonna. Uh, I think they're gonna smack Iran. And I also, why was Coach Pop playing Levine in crunch time over Tatum? That just. You know, who am I to question the arguably the greatest basketball coach of our generation? But, uh, you know, just I need a new, new, new leader. Just need a new leader of Team USA. Maybe a new coach um, freshen things up or something. I don't know. Uh, de- definitely some, some issues with that. But uh, I think that, that hits everything as far as the show goes for today. So we'll wrap this up here. Um, thank you guys so much who have came to the lock or not locker room, green room now, Spotify green room app and decided to listen in on a Lucas and I talking about the off season for the Celtics. Um, not much, you know, content right now to talk about, but the drafts coming up, we'll be able to dissect some of that. Maybe, uh, see who, what, what player the Celtics are going to be looking at around that area in the second round, as well as, you know, once they do pick the guy, we'll, we'll do a little breakdown of, of that player. And, uh, yeah, man, um, looking forward to future episodes. Once again, you can follow the show on Twitter at Hoopball Celtics. You can follow Lucas at uh, All right. Luca underscore Gainer, L-U-C-A underscore G-A-Y-N-O-R. And, guys, make sure to check out the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a nice review, um, five-star rating. That will really help us out. We really appreciate everyone showing up every week, though. It really honestly means a lot to me. It's really nice you guys to pop up. Yes, man. We appreciate all the support from everybody who listens to the podcasting and continue to share it with your friends and family. Uh, anybody who enjoys listening to the Celtics or just wanting to hear two guys just talk about basketball. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for showing up and uh, we're out. Wow.